How you doing? It's five o'clock here in Salford. Hope your Wednesday has gone well for you. It's me, Richie Allen, with you for the next couple of hours until seven o'clock UK time. Chat with me through the programme at richieallen.co.uk. That's the website on the toolbar at the top or the menu bar. It says comment live. That's how you reach me. I've got two brilliant guests. Let's do it. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, Ben Gilroy is a top man, isn't he? Uh, I love Ben Gilroy. Can't wait to speak to him again. It's been a long time. Irish activist, politician, public speaker, agitator against financial institutions. Ben Gilroy joins the programme this hour. Interesting story on richieallen.co.uk about repossessions here in the UK in the wake of the scamdemic. Ben Gilroy, don't miss him. And then it's been over a year, but uh, the lovely Mariam Hanain will join the programme from Florida. She's an investigative journalist, filmmaker and entrepreneur back in Florida. You might remember her brilliant film Vanishing of the Bees. Much to talk about with Mariam Hinnain. It's Mariam and Ben Gilroy on Wednesday's Richie Allen Show, the 3rd of November 2021. Good to be with you. Yeah, pause there for a drink of agua, ishka, 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 baha. No, none of that old garbage. Yes. Welcome. Let's quickly do a news roundup before we get Ben on. There's much to tell you about. Did you ever hear of Verona Murphy? Well, she's a Wexford-based politician. She's an Irish TD, meaning she's an Irish member of Parliament. Now, she had a bit of a run-in yesterday with Ireland's Health Minister Stephen Donnelly. He's a bit of an arse. As far as arses go, he's a bit of an arse, right? What sort of arse is he? Well, the pimply one with lots of hairs on it. I know you're probably having your dinner. It's not nice, is it? He's a bit of an arse, Ireland's health minister. Wexford TD Verona Murphy in the Dole, the Dole, the Irish Parliament yesterday, was um, talking about the scourge of vaccine passports and why they're not really any good. And she was interrupted by this guy Murphy. Listen, excuse me, this guy Donnelly. Listen to the exchange. I think you'll find it most interesting. Why are government members and government policies being designed to scapegoat those people who decided for whatever reason that they either didn't want or couldn't take the vaccine? We have the highest vaccination rates in Europe. And I'd like to commend all of the hard-working staff in all of our vaccination centres who have been very competent in their rolling out of the vaccine programme. The constant scapegoating of the unvaccinated does not stand up to scrutiny or evidence and is completely unwarranted. Well done. Every time we see evidence of a failure in government policy, the narrative shifts to find the the latest random thing to blame it on. There has yet to be any evidence presented which shows that vaccine passports actually serve any purpose in preventing transmission. In fact, recent studies have shown that a vaccinated person is every bit as likely to transmit this virus as a non-vaccinated person. Very good. 
Very good. That's an important point she made there. That the vaccinated person is every bit as likely to pass it on. Now, Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, he gets right agitated about that. Therefore, why are government continuing to divide society on this basis? Some of the language used by government ministers Deputy, over the last few false, weeks when really talking about the unvaccinated have been very discriminatory and sinister. Like this in the chamber. You, you, Thank you, last Ken Corla. Thank you, last Ken Corla with the clock. It's just, it's just and totally, I, I know you can come so back. damaging you in terms back, of the anti-vax the campaign. Sorry, there's nothing anti-vax about some of the constituents contacting me. He called her an anti-vaxxer and he said that she was putting out false information did this arse the arse with the hairs and the pimples this is Stephen Donnelly so you're, you're putting out false information the information is false we can't do that it feeds the anti-vaccine narrative and he really put her off her train of thought they are contacting me unable data. to take a vaccine the stupidity of telling people they can attend weddings without certs data. and the same false people data. then cannot actually go out and go to a restaurant the next day yet because they're being labelled as unvaccinated yeah. data on uh, Minister false, there is a lot about your policies that leave to be desired. Yeah, the, the, her information is bang on. She got her information from a recent study in the Lancet Journal which concluded that fully vaccinated individuals with breakthrough COVID infections have the same peak viral load as unvaccinated cases. This is astonishing stuff like... You know, this is the sort of stuff that should really bring down health departments and should see government scientists running for the hills. Fully jabbed people have peak viral load similar to unvaccinated cases. She also made another very good point. In Ireland, you won't be asked for a COVID cert to go to a wedding, but the same person could then be asked for a COVID cert if they wanted to go for a couple of pints of the black stuff. That was Verona Murphy yesterday in Ireland. Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced this after this morning that every company that is listed on the UK Stock Exchange will be legally obliged real soon to produce annual plans for becoming more green. Firms that fail to comply will face financial penalties. This would be astonishing if we didn't see it coming, right? Who will police this? Well, it'll be policed by the Financial Conduct Authority. So if you're a company and you fail to publish plans on how you plan to transition to net zero, you might be fined, you might be kicked off the stock market. So companies involved in oil, in coal, in drilling for oil, in burning coal to produce power, anything that's carbon intensive, they will have to prove they're planning to go green or face the consequences. All financial institutions in Britain would be bound with the same rules. Banks and pension funds will come under pressure to make eco-friendly investments. Think of your pensions, dear listener. Uh, this will begin in 2023. And I asked you today on my website to think on this. What they do to businesses today, they will do to you and me tomorrow. They're laying the foundations for a social credit system of govern governance. Do what you're told, make your business net zero, or we will penalise you and kick you off the stock market. Eventually, that trickles down to me and you. If we can't provide a plan, or if we can't demonstrate to our local authority or our government that we are going net zero in our own households, 
well maybe failure to comply will result in financial penalties for us and maybe just maybe it'll be easy to implement that if we are in a cashless society think of centralized digital currency which i've been talking quite a bit about of late Eight minutes past five. Jonathan Van Tam was on the BBC this morning. Everybody's favourite boffin. Jonathan Van Tam, JVT. He's England's Deputy Chief Medical Officer and he was taking questions from BBC Breakfast and Radio 5 Live. Isn't he a lovely, cuddly, harmless little teddy bear, isn't he, Jonathan Van Tam? Don't you just want to bring him home with you? Maybe. Maybe not. Anyway, here's a flavour of it. First up is a question about the booster programme. I have to tell you, we have got lots and lots of questions about boosters. Just a couple here. This is from Kate. A few months ago, it wasn't possible to mix vaccines. Why is it OK now? And this from Dennis. Uh, my wife and I are in our late 70s, had our two jabs plus the booster. Will we need another booster in six months? Is there a limit to how many jabs one person can have? Right, OK. So, two very important questions. A few months ago, we didn't have the data from the COV-Boost study. And that's a study where we've deliberately taken people who've either had AstraZeneca twice or Pfizer twice, and we've, um, they, they volunteered and we've um, been able to test a range of different boosters. And um, I am very, very confident, having seen the data, that the JCVI's advice to use a messenger RNA vaccine <laughs> as the booster, irrespective of whether you've had AstraZeneca first or Pfizer first, is really the right thing to do. Fantastic stuff this, isn't it? A few months ago we didn't have the data, but now we do. But of course they don't. He's lying. They don't have the data. Because they've only just begun to do it. We have the data now, and I'm very confident that if you had the AstraZeneca jab, the old, le you could say the old legacy, the attenuated virus jab, well, we think it's good and proper and safe that you can now have an mRNA booster. And I'm happy to do that, says Van Tam, because we have the data. A few months ago, we didn't have the data, but now we do. But they've just begun to roll out the booster program. And those... Trials, he says, are laughable. They're a joke. They took a couple of hundred people a few months ago that had the AstraZeneca jab. They gave them a Pfizer jab. But it's going to take years to understand if there's any problems with that, if, if there are any reactions to that, or if it, has, if it impacts on the body in some way. Yes, what a liar. Anyway, what about the second part of that question then? What about the second part of it? Let's hear the second part. And I'm very, very confident um, in those results and very confident of the data. So ple uh, people should have absolutely no reservations in following that JCVI advice because we had choices, um, but we've made the best choices um, for people based on really high quality data that I hope will be in the public domain within a matter of a few weeks. Yeah, now he's asked about the second part of the question. And Dennis's um, point on how many... On oh, hang on, that was very important, that. That was hugely important, the last uh, bit of Van Tam there, when he says, um, when he kind of explains why the information hasn't been put in the public domain. It's funny that, isn't it? Take an mRNA jab as your booster, even though you've had two different jabs previously, and we've got the data that says it's safe to do so, and we'll put it in the public domain, I hope, at some stage in, in the near future. Right? Really? Really? Let's have a listen to that. ...quality data that I hope will be in the public domain within a matter of a few weeks. I hope. I hope. I hope. I and hope. I'm I very... hope. That's just astonishing, isn't it? Just take my word for it. 
It's all hunky-dory. Have the mRNA jab now, and I hope that the data will be available to you in the next few weeks. Yes. And Dennis's um, point on how many on the jabs... second point about... Yeah, so... Um, how many jabs can you have? Can you go on and on with jabs and still be safe? Um, this is kind of linked to um, questions that I know people have sent in around, you know, am I going to have to have a booster every six months? I think on first principles, it's quite likely that um, the third dose that you get, the booster dose, is um, likely to last a bit longer than the protection uh, that we had from the first two doses, which is now starting to wane. But I can't give you a straight answer to that because the truth of the matter is this is a new disease. We are still learning about it. Um, we are still learning about how long these vaccines will last for after the third dose. And um, uh, you know, we have to wait for those data before we can give you absolutely emphatic answers. But is there some kind of known issue about um, having to have um, repeat doses of vaccine. Well, no, there isn't. And you can see that from the annual flu jab, which is given uh, year after year, decade after decade. Yes, it is, but it only works 7% of the time, if you even believe that. By their own admission, the flu jab works around about seven times out of 100. If you believe it works at all, which I, I'm very dubious about. I've never had the flu jab, but I know it doesn't work. This is amazing. And, and you hear his stuttering kind of staccato-like delivery because he's thinking on his feet because he's making it up as he goes along. Trust me, I'm a doctor of radio. When people speak like that, it's because they haven't got a Scooby-Doo. He's been told to say that it's perfectly safe now to have these boosters and we'll be having boosters every six months till God knows when because, well... It's just like the flu, we'll have to have the boosters. But his delivery suggests that he's not very confident in what he's saying and that he doesn't know very much about what's going on. Van Tam is a front man for tyranny. That's all he is. Look, go on. Oh, no, don't, don't do that, Richie. Don't, 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 don't bring it down to that level. He was asked, uh, strangely enough, about foosballers, footballers here in the UK, many of whom have apparently decided to wait and see when it comes to the old jabs, he was asked about it by one of the co-presenters on the BBC. Professional footballers. And there's a question here. Footballers seen as role models. Should they not be subject to mandatory vaccination to encourage others to do the same? Now, you've already given us your thoughts, really, I suppose, on, on vaccines being mandatory in different settings. But how important is it for people with high profile to come out and say... I have been double vaccinated to encourage others to do the same. So nobody should be forced into a position where they've got to reveal any data about their health if they don't want to. Right, let's hear that again. This is huge. This might come in handy if anybody ends up going to court over these vaccine mandates. So nobody should be forced into a position where they've got to reveal any data about their health if they don't want to. Nobody, he said, should be forced into a position where they've got to reveal any information about their health if they don't want to. That sounds good to me, that. Um, I think it's entirely OK for people to make their own decisions about what they're prepared to disclose in public or not. Yes. But I would say it is always very helpful um, to understand um, key 
um, key influencers, people who have big, um, you know, followings in society, to understand that they are, um, you know, with us and on board with us in terms of uh, the importance of vaccination for the winter. So, of course, I encourage um, uh, people who are in these positions of influence to come forwards and, uh, you know, say um, if they want to, mm. um, uh, you know, that they support vaccines. But it's it is entirely up to them. Okay. Yes, it is entirely up to them and it's entirely up to them to disclose whether or not they've had a medical treatment, but they're not qualified to tell you that the vaccines are safe. No more than you are, JVT. I find him increasingly creepy, uh, Van Tam, and his foolish, childish football analogies as well, as time has gone on. You know his granddad made Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken play Russian roulette, do you know that? On a river near Hanoi. Do you know that? I'm telling you. Look it up. Look up Van Tam's granddad, if you don't believe me. Robert De Niro has never gotten over it. Sky had David Wrigley on. Dr. David Wrigley. He's the deputy chair of the British Medical Association. This morning about 8.30am, the presenter asked David of the BMA to fill him in on the NHS situation right now. What did he say? It's a very worrying situation and we're not even in winter yet and we're already seeing um, hospitals overflowing, ambulances that can't get patients into A&E. GPs absolutely overloaded with work and a government that doesn't seem to recognise this seems to think uh, everything is fine and that the pandemic is behind us. So it's a Right. He said hospitals are overflowing. Ambulances can't get people into accidents and emergency. GPs can't cope. And this is before winter even gets going. It's dreadful, said this guy. So it's a really worrying situation. Right. Uh, doctor, can, can we just be then really specific? Where is this pressure on the health service coming from. Plenty of people will have seen you know, queues of ambulances at, at A&E and, and, and so on. So, so specifically, what can we attribute uh, these additional pressures to? That's almost journalism there. Almost. Just, just not quite, but nearly there. What's happening that's making it so bad when we know that people are not being brought in with, with COVID? What's going on? Listen to his answer because he gives it away. Well, before the pandemic, we have to remember that the NHS wasn't in a good place already. We were already tens of thousands of doctors short, A&E yes. and general practice under huge pressures. And the NHS, in effect, turned into a, a COVID service for 12 months. And it did, didn't it turn into a COVID service? So we were tens of thousands of doctors down. We were 40,000 nurses down. And then the NHS just started treating COVID and nothing else. Yeah. And, we now have over 5 million people on waiting lists. Yes, we do. 5 million people that desperately need to go to hospital with things that have got fuck all to do with COVID. Those are people waiting for operations, investigations, procedures, and that yeah. leads to a huge problem in the system where GPs are trying to juggle these patients and deal with all the problems. A&E is just absolutely at capacity, and you can't get people through the hospital because social care is in a state of collapse, so patients are in hospital but can't get out into the community. And yes, patients are in hospital, can't get out into the community because social care is in a state of collapse. It's going to get worse next week because from next week, if you haven't had your job and you are a social care worker, you will be fired.
Oh, it's going to be some perfect storm, isn't it? I've been talking about this for God knows how long. David Wrigley just gave it away there. Yeah, 5 million people on waiting lists because the NHS became a COVID service for just over a year. 40,000 nurses down, 10,000 doctors down. We have half the amount of beds now in 2021 than we had back in 1989. Do I need to go on? At that point, the presenter should have said, OK, then. So there's really no point whatsoever in locking down society this winter, is there? Is what the presenter should have said. But he didn't, because he's not me. And he doesn't have any balls. Oh, God. Can we do this? Have we got time? 20 minutes past five. We might have time. You have been following Kathleen Stock, the professor of philosophy who left the University of Sussex because of the abuse she got from, from students and from her peers from the faculty, uh, calling her transphobic because she said people cannot change their biological sex and because she wrote a book. It's a very interesting case. She spoke for the first time today to the BBC's Woman's Hour. She said she still holds the view that trans women are not women and trans men are not men, but those views are compatible with protecting and being kind to trans people. She was asked in the conversation with Barnett, Emma Barnett, what does she think is wrong with the people who threatened her and claimed that she, Kathleen, was a threat to their existence? Her answer is fantastic, I think. I mean, there's a wider societal context, isn't there? There's, there's a narrative that's emerged partly through some academics and also through lobbying groups like Stonewall that trans students and trans people generally are the most vulnerable group in the UK and that, moreover, the only way to protect them is to affirm any claim they make about their own identity and that any dissent from that must be transphobia, must be transphobic, shouldn't be debated, hashtag no debate. That comes from Stonewall. So, and Stonewall is embedded into my, my university, my former university. If you look at their website, they've said that they want to be a workplace equality index top 100 employer by 2025. They've made that part of their strategy and they do all the things that Stonewall asked them to do in order to get there. Now, students who are idealistic and passionate and are probably going through quite a hard time, many of them will, will accept this. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> you know, their elders have accepted it too, apparently. So I think that that's part of the context. Therefore, my pretty moderate book and my pretty moderate views, which always insist on affirming legal protections for trans people and that they should absolutely be free of any kind of discrimination or violence, you know, those views are just presented as totally heretical, unacceptable, and therefore I must be evil. It's literally that kind of extreme. Because Very, very good explanation as to what's been happening to her. She then gave a rather, I thought, a rather sad explanation of uh, social ostracism. What happens to people like her who dare to express their opinions in the face of the ugly Twitter mob, the Twitter Twitterati? She explains this very well. What happens to people like her? But, I mean, it's, it's basically the mechanism is social ostracism. And I've been at Sussex for 18 years. It's like... It was my first permanent job and it's it felt like home and it, you know you're being ejected from 
the tribe, aren't you? That's the whole point. You're a scapegoat. You're being pushed out, and you're it's being done very publicly. It's it's completely humiliating, um, and you feel completely powerless to, as I say, to correct the misrepresentations that are constantly coming out about you. So you know, I think most of the students that have protested against me really haven't got a clue what I actually think, and that's because the adults that are supposed to care about truth haven't told them. And many of them don't really understand what I think. And whenever I hear them talk about it, they misrepresent it. So, you know, you just get to a point where you think, what am I doing this for? And the thought of just walking around that campus for the next five years, such a visible person by now, you know, people know who I am. I've been completely isolated from support because of all these public displays against me. Nobody really wants to stand beside me because they're worried it'll happen to them too. That's how social ostracism works. Social ostracism. Haven't we seen it through the Richie Allen show where academics have told me privately, I'd love to come on with you, Richie. Not because I'm particularly special as, as a presenter or as a host, but they've said I'd love to come on with you because you get plenty of time. I've had this said to me a dozen times in the last year. Love to come on with you, Richie. Like the sort of show you do. Plenty of time. We'd have a good old chat, but I'll be hammered for it. I might lose my job for daring to come and speak with you. This is the Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers. Back with Ben Gilroy. Pete Shelley's Buzzcocks and I Don't Mind. 27 minutes past five, the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. It's dark. I tell you what, it's dark where Ben Gilroy is. Just before we say hi to Ben, let me tell you this. You might have read this on richieallen.co.uk this afternoon. People whose finances were ruined by the COVID scam, obviously that's my term, are losing their homes in court eviction hearings that are lasting as little as nine minutes. Many of these people, and I mean God love them, don't have any legal representation. Dozens of homeowners in the last week. Hundreds in the last couple of months. Let's give the Daily Mail a little bit of credit. It's working with the Bureau of Investigative Journalism to find out what the hell is going on. Uh, Let's talk to somebody who has been covering this story for many years. There's never been a bigger thorn in the sides of financial institutions as in my guest, uh, Ben Gilroy. I don't need to tell you too much about him. Serial litigant, went after the banks, uh, terrifically successful in helping people to hold on to their homes, ran for public office, public speaker, um, courageous, I think. Let's welcome him back to the programme, Ben Gilroy. Ben, welcome back. Hiya, Richie. How's things? Things. Uh, I'm getting every second word you're saying, so it's breaking up a little. I hope you can hear me okay. I can. What I'm going to do is I'm going to clear the call and call again. And if it fails, what I'll do is I'll call the mobile. How about that? So give us a second. We'll clear the call. Sometimes helps when you uh, clear the cash. Clear the call. Start again. If it's bad, we'll go to the mobile. And I have the mobile standing by. How's that, Ben? Any better? It's a little bit better. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call the mobile. And uh, the mobile will be nice and clear. Let's see. Got it there handy, don't I? I think I do. Indeed, I do. Okay. You think in 2021, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think in 2021 you'll be all right? Let's try the dog and bone. Here we go. Let's call him on the dog and bone. We're going to tell him now that he's won the car. He's won the Ford Fiesta. That's what we'll tell him when he comes back on the old phone. Right, if you've got anything to say, it's richieallen.co.uk. Comment life. Ben, I reckon that's a much better connection. 
Oh, that's much better, Richie. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. Not at all, my friend. Um, is None of what I said about repossessions happening to people whose businesses were destroyed by the scam, by by the the the, the illegal lockdowns, um, them now facing their homes being repossessed won't come as a surprise to you. Is any of this beginning to manifest in Ireland just yet? Uh, not just yet, um, but it is definitely on the horizon because I guess contacted by people who are getting threatening letters for banks now saying they'll initiate proceedings if they don't pay the full amount and this is a disgrace because these are people who obeyed every government guideline destroyed their businesses by obeying the guidelines if they didn't obey the guidelines the police force would have come in and closed them down anyway and they would have been before the criminal courts so now they're going to find them themselves before the civil courts losing everything their livelihoods that they work so hard to keep because they obeyed the law. I mean, that's how Ireland and probably England now have gone, that you're now actually punished for uh, um, obeying the laws uh, and the lawbreakers run free. And that's certainly the case here in Ireland. Am I naive in asking you, is that maybe the basis for litigation against the government? Could a homeowner who was maybe a little bit in arrears before the scam, but managing to pay the interest or pay the mortgage. Could a homeowner not take a case against the government to say, I wouldn't be losing my home if you didn't force me to close my business. Therefore, I hold you to be liable for the rest of my mortgage. Um, Or the arrears anyway. Well, let's put it this way. You, You can always bring a case to court the chance of that being successful is is more than slim. Um, and the reason for that is because uh, the government, uh, unlike the UK, the government already destroyed our economy back in 2008, 2009, when they bailed out gamblers on a stock exchange, i.e. banks and bondholders. They destroyed the economy. They put many businesses under, and so many people couldn't pay their mortgages and what did the government do? They put the heavy boot on the neck of uh, the poor, struggling people. And many people were either, um, you know, evicted from their homes or took their own lives. So the chance of that being successful, because what you're doing is you're going before court-appointed judges who, who will not uphold their oath of office, who will not obey the law, who will simply ignore the law if it goes in your favour, because uh, the banks uh, still have that tag of too big to fail in Ireland, and I'm sure it's the same in the UK. It is the same in the UK. And can you share with... The sooner sooner we uh, come together as a group of people who are destroyed, and I don't know, um, you must know Philip Sheridan, who is a film producer. He did My Left Foot. Yes. Uh, in the name of the father knows he was recently interviewed and what he said about the courts is and excuse my English but I'll quote him he said they wear these wigs in the courts but he said they're corrupt and he said fuck them and their British colonial system he said fuck them because they're corrupt and you know I take my hat off to Jim Sheridan because more and more people are beginning to come out now 
and realise that the actual legal system and the legal society is embedded with secret societies from the benchers to the Freemasons and most of them are, are, are appointed by, well certainly in Ireland you can only be appointed by, judge by the government so there's no separation of powers so what they actually do is appoint judges to be the hangmen for the banks that they bailed out because the banks run the country as do large corporations the actual puppets in government have actually very little influence in government whatsoever 100% right I think there was a time many years ago I would have called you a nut job for suggesting such a thing but you're absolutely right and is the proof of all of this collusion is it found in what happened to the repossessed houses you spoke to me on a television show in London years ago and educated me about vulture funds and where these homes, these homes that belong to people that they've been put out of illegally, where do those houses go? How do they end up being distributed? Well, most of them are boarded up, which is another disgrace because we have a homeless crisis here. Um, The difficulty is there's a lot of repossession orders here at the minute, but there's nobody actually repossessing the homes. Now, I believe that's because me and others have highlighted a number of issues that these vulture funds don't actually own the mortgages. And there's a simple way you can check this. I I implore everybody to Google uh, um, this name called Carmel Butler. Carmel Butler was a barrister and she did a fantastic report to the House of Commons in the UK um, at the time of Northern Rock when it collapsed. And she was a barrister who worked in America and was an expert in CDOs. Anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's collateral debt obligations, securitization of mortgages. And she basically highlights the whole fraud to the House of Commons. So in the UK, at least, the House of Commons and members of the House of Commons can't say they don't know the fraud that's going on. And she says when the banks sold these mortgages... Um, they pretended at land registry and defrauded land registry, which is a criminal offence, by making out that they still hold the, um, the mortgage at land registry. And, of course, they don't. And they do the same here in Ireland. Um, they pretend they hold the mortgage. And I, I'm recently in a case for my own home where uh, a particular bank committed said, we hold the mortgage. I asked the barrister, was my mortgage sold? He told the court three times it wasn't. Then, of course, I produced a mortgage sale agreement to show not only was it sold once, but it was sold twice. Then they go, oh, he didn't really know what he was talking about. It's not really perjury. And uh, and then, of course, the uh, company that are after me, when you do a check at the CRO, uh, you'll see that they've only €40,000 in assets, and yet they've hundreds of cases around the country where they're telling uh, courts, they own all these mortgages and they're entitled to sue people while champerty and maintenance is a criminal offence. So the whole thing is a fraud. It's not, the judges know well. I mean, I put in enough affidavits and enough evidence before the court. So I've been left having to sue the bank that's coming after me. I'm suing them and I'm suing the solicitor's firm who represented them because I gave them the evidence so they know. My mortgage was forged as well by another solicitor. I'm suing him. And then I'm suing Land Registry because also they were put on notice as well. 
So look, this is what you have to do. You have, you have to get in, you have to fight dirty with these people. As you know, like a lot of this stress uh, hit my family when my little girl got cancer and, you know, she had leukemia. Isabella, yeah. And it yeah. took five years to get her out of remission. And only a couple of months ago, she was declared, you know, free from cancer and out of remission. Thank but God. unfortunately, um, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer last week. Oh, and that's geez. because of the stress of all of this. So that's why I'm going after these, Richie. And while I have a breath in my body, I will sue the fuck out of every one of these. And if I have to see them in prison, that's where they'll go because that's where they belong. My only thing is not facts, not evidence, not proof. It's you're going in before the same crooked judges and there has to be some mechanism put in place to take care of corrupt, crooked judges who are the bidding horses of a corrupt government. And it must be the same in the UK as well. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Every single thing you said is correct in case anybody is wondering why I'm not jumping into Ben and asking him for any proof. This is all common knowledge now. In fact, Ben well, would be the first... It's common and knowledge. Just do Google Carmel Butler report to the House of Commons. And On CDOs. If you can even Google that there while I'm talking, Richie, and put a link up, because it's an excellent report. And, and what she is, is she was a barrister who learned her trade in New York. She worked in securitization. She's an expert in it. And she basically breaks down the whole fraud that I have been saying for the last 10 years. So people might take much better notice of her because she's a barrister. But that doesn't matter. I don't believe it matters whether somebody wears a wig on their head or a gown or they're a member of a private club. If somebody is telling the truth, then it's the truth. And I always say the truth is like a lion. It doesn't need to defend itself. Let it loose and it'll fucking defend itself. It's called the truth. You it's know? called the truth. We, we talked many years ago about something that's been a bugbear for me for many years. One of the problems is the fraud begins the moment the bank agrees to loan somebody, let's say, €300,000 for a house. The fraud begins right there because the bank does not take any risk and doesn't give you any of its assets. That's the thing, isn't it? That's, That's absolutely right. I mean, you could go into a bank and it may not have any money in the safe even. Yeah. And it just creates it on a screen. But irrespective of whether it does or it doesn't and it has the ability to do that, that's not even my complaint. No, I know that. that. I know that. Yeah. And all. My complaint is that they continue with the fraud, that the greed isn't enough that they just create the money on a computer screen. That greed is not enough. The greed then is that they sell your mortgage on to somebody else and become a servicer for it behind the background. Yes. And they don't tell you. And then they manipulate the interest rates because their greed isn't enough that they're getting paid by the person they sold the mortgage to service the mortgages. And as I say to you, like, don't believe Ben Gilroy. I've been saying this for numbers of years. But, but listen to the report of Carmel Butler to the House of Commons. That's at a very high level. Ben Gilroy's on the, uh, um, you know, a very low level here in Ireland, although I'm a constant torn in the side because I tell the truth. It's nothing that I'm extraordinary any other way. It's just that I've discovered the truth through diligence and studying this for many years and going over to lawyers in America that I got to the bottom of all this. And the evidence is now overwhelming that enough of us 
uh, need to get together. And all, I'm talking about over the last 10 years, people have lost their properties. And the judges were made aware of this. This is on most affidavits going before the courts in Ireland. So it's not like they don't know. And what they pretend is, they pretend that, oh, well, we did sell the mortgage. We hold the legal title to the mortgage. So that gives us the right still to sue you. Now, that's the greatest load of horseshit I ever heard. Because what they're saying is, we sold your mortgage. We got paid in full. Yes. But we still believe we're entitled to your house and your property and that you should be evicted because even though we got paid in full, because we split legal and beneficial title to the mortgage, uh, you know, we sold the beneficial title, we have the legal title, so we're still entitled to the property. Yes. Can you can you answer me this? Can you answer me this? Everything yeah. You've described that beautifully. Nobody could be under... Could be in any doubt as to how they do it. They sell the mortgages on. They don't tell the homeowners that they're doing it. And even though they've been paid in full, they then try and go after the homeowner for the house. We've talked about this for years. Can I ask you this? In some cases, they go a step further and they defraud insurance companies because the bank takes out an insurance um, option that the mortgage might go bad so that it then gets paid from an insurance company has any insurance company ever decided you know fuck this I'm going after the banks too well I, I don't know because you see they also uh, have um, insurance within the securitization pools and you see securitization leads to a boom bust economy anyway I mean if your mortgage is securitized you can be sure that over the term of your mortgage, you're going to find yourself in difficult times because the economy is going to go into a, a bust situation. And the reason for that is that if I am a mortgage company and I am giving out mortgages, I'm going to get valuers to value a house at ridiculous valuation, nothing really to what its current value is. And I don't give a shit if somebody can afford the mortgage or not because I'm going to sell it in a couple of months anyway. I mean, if you take my mortgage, for instance, my mortgage was dated the 30th of November 2006. It was sold in a mortgage sale agreement seven days later. Although they told the court my mortgage wasn't sold, apparently it's not perjury for a barrister to do that anymore in Ireland. And then when I produced the mortgage sale agreement, the bank basically come in and go, oh, that mortgage sale agreement, oh, sorry, now we know what you're talking about. Well, that doesn't really make any difference. Now, I'm one of the very few who has a mortgage sale agreement that's unredacted because I know how to find these. And, of course, this created a huge problem in the court because I have it unredacted. And what my mortgage says is, the mortgage sale agreement, it says, that we are selling all right, title and interest in the mortgage, including the right to sue, the right to demand, and all powers exercisable by the lender. And yet the original lender comes in and goes, oh, it doesn't really mean that, you know, Mr. Gilroy. And I'm saying, yeah, no wonder you wouldn't show the mortgage sale agreement. And in other cases where people, you know, insist on the mortgage sale agreement coming into court, they redact all of that. And they say, oh, it's redacted for commercial sensitivity. Commercial well, sensitivity. commercial sensitivity must be keeping people out of jail for fraud. Yes. Because I have all the unredacted documents. So judges need to start going to jail for this. I mean, none of us are stupid. You know, people who were saying, to, like what they tried to say to me in court is that we're only selling uh, uh, as beneficial.
owner. Now, in fairness, it does say that the beneficial owner is selling. But what he is selling is the right to sue. Well, that's a legal right. That's not a beneficial right. And when you sell all rights exercisable by the lender, well, that's all uh, rights exercisable by the lender. So how is the lender still coming into court? Now, I, I agree it says the beneficial owner is selling. But because all of the other parties are concurring to him selling everything, because they've also executed the deed. If, if the beneficial owner wasn't selling also all the legal rights, then the legal owner wouldn't need to execute the deed. <laughs> That's absolutely spot on. Can you help us out here? Because there's lots of yeah. interest in this, obviously. I've been asked a question. How can a bank sell the mortgage that it sold you? How can it sell it on to a third party without telling you? But, but can I, can I, let, let me finish this because this, this is really important. Yeah. Because you, you get deducted every month. Your mortgage payment is deducted by your bank. So how does it work then that, that they sell it to somebody else but they still take the payment out of your account every month? Well, you see, what they do is they normally don't tell you that they've sold it in the first instance, right? So I'd say about 98% of all mortgages are sold in both Ireland and the UK. And I can normally identify what company they were sold to. And I can do it from memory with most banks here in Ireland. But certainly in the UK, it would just take me five minutes to go and search and I would tell you who, who actually was sold to. Now, what they will do is they then remain as a servicer under a servicing contract, and they never tell you that. Right. So that money is constantly coming out of that bank account. Now, what they then do is in Ireland, and I'm sure it'll happen in the UK if it's not happening already, the vulture funds are now saying, we bought your mortgage from your originating bank. But, of course, that's not true because the mortgage was already sold. So what they'll do is they're really only purchasing the servicing agreement that the bank have, because there's a principle in law called the Nemo Dat rule. It comes from the Latin phrase, Nemo Dat Quad Non Habat. And what that means is no one can give greater title than they have. So if the bank have sold a mortgage and only have a servicing contract, well then that's all they can sell on to a vulture fund. Right. And of course, if you look at the accounts of vulture funds in the returns of their company's office for their tax returns, You'll see most of them have very little money in their bank. I mean, some might have two or three million. But in terms of the telling you they own thousands of mortgages and your average mortgage is 280,000 euro, um, I don't know where they, uh, they assume they own all these mortgages. And that's what Carmel, Carmel Butler's report is very good. I've got um, it here now. I've got it. Just by, by oh, the way, got it, yeah. I've got it here. It's very easy to find online. I can put it on Facebook or on my website later on, but it's easy. You just yeah. need to look for Carmel Butler and look for, uh, just put, what, what did I put down? I put down Carmel House Butler, of report, House of Commons report. She spoke to them on the 1st of April 2009. And the entire... Right. So that report is yeah. sitting there since 2009. Yeah. And if you look, she actually says... If you just do control F on that and find the number 119, um, she says that they actually defraud land registry, which is a criminal offence as well, because they're hiding the uh, claim of somebody who actually owns the mortgage. And, of course, this is what money laundering and fraud is all about. Um, we have the Criminal Assets Bureau here going against your, 
your small drug time dealer here when the when these white collar criminals are defrauding and washing cash in their billions because of this. And that's exactly what white collar corporate crime looks like. I think the police forces are seeing are, are seem to think that uh, uh, white collar crime is still somebody going to go around breaking into homes and everything and they don't realise that these are all fake companies set up to launder money and they're laundering in their billions and keeping it from land registry now if you take the case of my bank allegedly that's coming after me they have 40,000 euro in net assets in their company yes according to them they have billions worth of mortgages for an unknown entity. So what I could suggest to you, Richie, is why don't you and I set up a company, put 40,000 euro in it, and we can launder cash for every top Mexican drug cartel in billions (laughs) and buy property all over Ireland and just put it in our name and saying we hold legal title and we won't tell you who the beneficial who the beneficial owners of any of this uh, property is. I mean, an excellent way to launder money, right? Yes, it's absolutely <laughs> perfect. While while I have you, and it's important that people hear this because people are are in arrears right across this country and in Ireland, and these gangsters but will not become in knocking. To their originating bank. No, they're Remember not. That. Remember, I, I did yeah. say ninety eight percent of all mortgages are sold. The other 2% are normally forged or have some default in it. So if your mortgage wasn't sold, you're probably in a better position because there's some reason it couldn't enter into a pool. That's hugely important, that. 98% of them, they sell you the mortgage and then they sell that mortgage onto a third party and they retain uh, a contract. They they retain uh, the business of the, servicing uh, the servicing contract, of it, of collecting the money. Yeah, the and servicer then can't, a servicer for, can't bring you to court. But they do in Ireland and they well, get away with it. They do, yeah, because they because they still remain registered as land registry of the owner. And that's why if you read that that's Carl the fraud, report, yeah. you know, that's why I said if you just do control F and find one one nine, just at that point she makes a sentence about land registry, how they how they are defrauding land registry in order to defraud the court. And what she says is there's an auditor ruse and a legal ruse. And one doesn't know what the other is doing. Yeah. But I always say, if you follow the money, like the bank coming after me, only a forty-eight thousand euro in net assets, and yet they must have hundreds of cases in the courts at the minute. And of course, if they have hundreds of cases, then that must be champerty and maintenance. Now, I don't know if you know what that term is, Richie. Do you? No, I haven't a clue. A, a lot of people wouldn't have. So champerty comes from the word to champion, to champion something. And maintenance is, you know, if you're separated from your wife where you would pay maintenance, yes. right? So the champerty and maintenance, it means somebody is championing your cause in litigation and maintaining it through money. And that's a criminal offence in Ireland, champerty and maintenance. And I'm saying the company who came after me they must be involved in champerty and maintenance, or if not, how are they maintaining hundreds of cases in Ireland when they've only forty thousand euro in their in their, bank in their net assets? It just doesn't make sense. And when all this is put before a court, they don't deal with it. They just ignore it. Well, where's so the criminal assets bureau? Yeah. Sorry. Where's the criminal assets bureau then? Jesus Christ! If you 
you know, if you if if yeah. if, if, if if in Ireland, if Mister Ben Gilroy has got three uh, Mercedes S six hundred cars, and if Ben has a seventeen bedroom house in Dublin, they'll come. Yeah. The, the government will come to you and ask you, how did you come by that uh, property? How did you come by those cars? And if you can't show, on, Richard, they will me, take it off you. To you right? Yeah. When, when I said, I applied for free legal aid because I told one of the judges he was biased, and he was. And when I applied for free legal aid, Gardaí raided my home, and they, they accused me of causing a loss by deception because they, they assumed I had a load of money because I wore a suit coming to court. Yeah. And then, of course, they, they searched everything for about a year, bank accounts and everything. And realised I hadn't got a pocket piss in, or as they say, uh, if I was a snake, I didn't have a pit to hiss in. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, uh, imagine they invaded my home when I wasn't home one evening, brushed by my wife, uh, guard vans all outside my house, went into every bedroom in my house where my children were asleep, and yet these fuckers who are uh, money laundering billions and involved in champerty and maintenance and pretending they've mortgages and defrauding land registry. I mean, anybody just has to look at Section 119 of our um, registration of title act, and you will see in that that it's uh, anybody who hides the claim of another person as a criminal offence, and it's the same in the UK, and Carmel Butler refers to that in her report. So I'm, at least I'm not the only one singing now. I only became aware of Carmel Butler's report uh, a while ago. But thank God there's a barrister who actually understands the whole scam now. And actually, and how was this report buried that was sent to the Commons? I mean, this was just shortly after the Northern Rock failure. How was this report buried in such a way that, OK, we can find it on the Internet, but nobody's talking about it? How is there nobody talking about this? How is she not asked to come as an expert, an expert witness into some millionaire court where he's losing all his properties? Because nobody knows about this stuff. i constantly searching out this stuff. And that Carmel report is absolutely excellent. Some parts I don't agree with her. She doesn't understand just fully some parts of it. But look, let's not split hairs. 90% of her report is absolutely correct. And she highlights the fraud from top to bottom, and she has done that to the House of Commons. So if the House of Commons, you know, they make law, and they're against money laundering, and the Crown Courts are all there, how is it nobody's going after these criminals, but are still going after the people who work hard trying to pay their mortgages and just can't? Let me read you. All the red tape? Let me read you a little bit of that report from Carmel Butler. It'll only take me about 20 seconds from 2009. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. It's very good. She says um, she accused, she used Northern Rock as an example, although she was basically yeah. saying that this is widespread. But she says that Northern Rock basically remained falsely registered as deputative legal owner. But in truth, Northern Rock is merely the administrator of the mortgage loans. The seller acts as administrator of the mortgage portfolio under the terms of the administration agreement pursuant to which it has agreed uh, to continue to perform administrative functions in respect of the mortgage loans on behalf of the mortgages, trustee and the beneficiaries. Then she goes on to say, the legal reality is Northern Rock sold its legal title 
to, in this case, Granite Finance Trustees Limited. And therefore, Granite is the legal owner, Northern Rock is the administrator of the mortgages, and falsely holds itself out as the legal owner of the mortgages. She goes on to say that um, Granite Finance then conceals its legal title from Her Majesty's Land Registry. I mean, it's all there, which which is exactly what you said. And it's all there. It's one massive fraud from top to bottom. One massive Ponzi fraud scheme. Yeah. And they do exactly the same in Ireland. They go into court and they show the folio and say, oh, judge, look, we're registered here as the legal owner. Now, when I caught them out and I was able to produce the mortgage sale agreement, now, remember, despite the barrister telling the court three times, if I told a lie in court three times, where would I be? Back in Mount Joy. Yeah. So he told the court three times, Mr. Gilroy's mortgage was not sold. And then when I produced the mortgage sale agreement at a later date, all of a sudden, oh yeah, well we know about that mortgage sale agreement. Now what actually happens is, we don't own the mortgage, but we hold it in trust. Right? Now, I'm saying, you hold it in trust. Where's the trust document? And they won't show it in court because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Listen, the sooner cab and the Guardian Economic Crime Bureau in this country get involved in this, and I'm putting this call out now tonight for them to contact me. And I have evidence of every bank in this country, and I can name who the mortgages are sold to, when they were sold, where's the mortgage sale agreements. I can prove everything. And Carmel Butler, I'm glad someone in the UK finally has stood up and done it. But in fairness, she did that. What's the day that I reached? 12 I mean, years ago. Bloody 12 years yeah, ago so, now, yeah. So I shouldn't say finally stood up. She made that report a long time ago when I was probably only trying to find out some of the information yeah. that she was uncovering. So in fairness to her, you know, she did it a long time ago. It's just everybody ignored that report. It's dynamite. that report buried? And, and that's what should be asked of the Crown Court judges and all of this, because they're all in secret societies within the benchers, within Freemasonry, and that's where all the top bankers are too. So they're rubbing each other's back and watching out for each other. Now, I'll tell you another important thing, Richie. In these mortgage sale agreements and in these securitization units, there's only certain auditors who are allowed to do it. Because remember I told you, if you read her report, she talks about an auditor ruse. Yes. And what they have to do is they have to make sure that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So mostly auditors are appointed as receivers. So what you have to do is you have to make sure that your little click club, like PwC, Grant Thornton, KTMG, they will always act as the receivers. And the reason they do that is because they are the auditors when they're selling the mortgages. So they know what's going on, so they can't let any other auditors into the into their little spider web because they might find something out. That's right. <laughs> and this is the whole thing is fraud from top corporations to within the law society to within King's Inn and within the courts. And there's Carmel Butler's report, a barrister. <clears throat> And a girl who knows exactly the system and puts it on a public report to the Commons. And I say that report was buried because nobody, I've never heard anybody standing up in the House of Commons. Well, I wasn't aware of it. Can I just say this? 
that Commons Treasury Select Committee heard from her in 2009. Now, it's possible yeah. that some of the committee members are possibly still serving MPs. They might not be on the Treasury Select Committee anymore, but they will maybe... I'll, I'll find that out very quickly, and I'll bang out a few yeah. emails to ask some of these MPs. Well, what did you make of what you heard back in 2009 uh, oh, from Carmel Butler? Yeah. Every, I, I would suggest everybody in the UK send a report to their local MP and get it raised in the House of Commons yeah. and ask the uh, Scotland Yard to get involved and start taking these white-collar criminals to jail. That's what has to be done. And very quickly then you'll see banks telling the truth and they'll do deals with homeowners that people then can get on with their lives. And that's all anybody's looking for. These homeowners, nobody's looking for a house for free. They always try to make it out, to make it out in court. Oh, you're trying to get your house for free. First of all, I put a third of my money down on this house. And I invested another €90,000 paying back a mortgage to people that didn't even own my mortgage. Yeah. And then I realised my mortgage was forged even apart from all of that. And I'm still looking to do a deal. I'm not looking for a house for nothing. But to, to allow fraud on this scale against hard-working people who've no idea this is going on in the background. And the sooner this is brought out in the public domain and we have proper debates, but judges have to be sacked. And judges have to go to jail because I've been exposing this for years in the court. And in Ireland, I'm not sure about the UK what oath they take, but in Ireland they take a specific oath that they will do no ill will to man. That's a very unusual oath because in the UK they take it to the Queen. That's uh, right. And they're not really worried about the subjects. But in Ireland they take it to uphold the Constitution, to show no ill will to man, and to uphold the laws. And they do not uphold the laws because when I showed them Section 119 of land registration and showed the fraud... Oh, we've lost Ben. We've lost Ben momentarily. Let me, uh, let me get him back on there. I don't know what happened there. Ah, uh, the things that happen when you're right in the middle of a really interesting point. Let me just see, can I get him back up? He is on a mobile, you see, and he's in his car. He's in his car. He's in his car. So um, let me uh, see, can I get him back there? Talk amongst yourselves there. Talk amongst yourselves if you don't mind while I, while I do that. Is that okay? Put the kettle on. Let me get him back there. I think I can get him back. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'll get one of my producers, maybe my editor, to uh, phone him back, you know. That's what I'll do. Ben Gilroy is with us, and I think Ben Gilroy is back. Fire. Sorry about Fire. that. And the system cut me off. They were listening to me. No doubt about it. The, the, the men in black. Listen, we've got yeah. we've got three minutes left, right? Anyway, be, be, before we have to leave it there. But but what you've said is sense. It's it's it sounds sensational. But every word of it is is true. My listeners on RichieAllen.co.uk in the comment live section on my website there are hundreds and hundreds of comments a number of people have shared the document so if people want to see it go to richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live click on it and Faisal and others have shared that document it was so important to talk about this because what the scam the Covid scam has done it has pushed people now into mortgage arrears that maybe weren't and now those phone calls are getting more frequent and the letters are coming through the door and this is going to happen to them. So it's important that they hear this because I think it'll yeah, be well, useful for them. The message, the message, Richie, is, look, you're not on your own. There's millions of us and we are all beginning to learn the scam. 
And the reason these people are writing out now to try to get to court to take her home is because they know this is breaking. And you see, they can set up these American funds. Nobody knows who they are. And if they can get your property and get it sold in an auction quickly, then they won't be found. But now we're beginning to realize, well, I realized it many years ago, and you too, Richie, as we spoke years ago, but now it's becoming public knowledge that they don't own your mortgage and the whole thing is a criminal scam. And the police forces have a lot to answer for as well. It's not just the judiciary. But I was calling in Ireland for somebody, a body to be set up that can investigate judges when they make these decisions, when the evidence is quite clear and judges have to be removed from their position. And I don't mean other judges. Uh, to be put in place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like asking foxes to mind chickens. Yeah. I'm talking about an independent body set up with someone like myself who has good knowledge and the likes of Carmel Butler and other people who can show the evidence to an independent body. And I don't mean in a courtroom where everybody's in gowns and wigs to frighten the shit out of the ordinary man. I'm talking about you. we just sit in an office and everybody talks across the table and it's highlighted and televised or recorded. So, you know, everything is in the open because that's what needs to happen in this country. And just finally, if I can say to you, and I know you know Vinnie Byrne of PIO Radio. Yeah, lovely guy. Kevin and Vinnie are going to set up a radio station on the internet, very similar to the one he had. We hope to have it up and running in about three weeks. And we will only be discussing this sort of thing and given far more information than we have time for tonight, Richie, it will be constant, maybe once a week, because there's so many documents we want to release and so much information, and we will not stop until these white-collar criminals are behind bars and the judges who uphold uh, the fraud and Land Registry. Remember, there's people at Land Registry that we put on notice as well, and they knew they had no right to transfer people's properties and they did it. And even if we show evidence that the mortgage is sold, and therefore you cannot have that person registered as the owner when the mortgage is sold, they ignore that as well. So look, at it's a great time in history we're living, and maybe this COVID nonsense was the thing that the straw that broke the donkey's back, or whatever the saying is. Yeah, yeah. But remember, um, the radio station will be up in about three weeks' time, and we will be hard-hitting. But we'll, you know, Richie, you know over the years, if I've ever told you a lie or something, I would come back and correct it, which, you know, wouldn't be a lie. No, you've never told me a lie. Yeah, you've never done that. You've never given me... Yeah, I'd come back and correct it. But in the general, what I've been saying for the last 10 to 12 years, every word of it's been true. And now, of course, the Carmel Butler... I put it in the public and everybody can read it and really get to the bottom of what's going on. And then if people want to know, you know, in Ireland or in England, if anybody says to me, well, then I took a mortgage out with Nat West or I took it out with Leeds Building Society, it was my mortgage sold. I'll tell them yes and I'll tell them where and I'll tell them where to get the mortgage sale agreement. Ask Vinny to get in touch with me before you put the radio station on so he can come on with yep. me and have a chat to talk it up. Listen, I m- mentioned last time you were on, it was lovely to hear about Isabella. Not so uh, yeah. nice to hear about your wife, Ben. Uh, genuinely no, look, wish her all the best, stress, mate. stress-related. And I'm, listen, I'm, listen, I'm a strong man. I'll protect my wife as well through this, the same as I did my daughter. I've already started a number of court cases against the villains, and let me tell you, I won't stop 
till, I, till they're behind bars and paying huge compensation to me. I'm suing solicitor firms and the bank that come after me for 13 million euro and I'm going after other people as well that got involved. Make no doubt about it. Top man, Ben. I love you, pal. Great to have you back on the programme. Look after yourself. Thanks, Richie. We'll speak soon. Good to talk to you. Thanks to all your listeners. All the best, Ben. Gilroy, do go to richieallen.co.uk, top of the page, comment live. If you click on it, the link to the testimony given to the Commons Treasury Select Committee by Carmel Butler, which I knew nothing about till Ben Gilroy brought it up tonight. Don't you love radio? Uh, it's really interesting. I've been reading it while speaking with Ben. Uh, richieallen.co.uk, top of the page. We'll get Vinny on, uh, Vinny Byrne, Vin Byrne, to talk about that radio station. This is going to be huge going forward, uh, no doubt about that. As the, the letters are coming through the doors, as the phone calls are getting uh, more frequent because people have had their businesses ruined, their livelihoods ruined, uh, the, the furlough schemes have ended, there isn't any money, people are in arrears, and the vultures are at the door now. And most people will not know that there's a 98 in 100 chance that when the bank sold them a mortgage, the bank then went and sold that mortgage to another company and is now only servicing the mortgage for the third party company. And the land registry is not being informed of that. And in the cases where the land registry is aware of it, they're committing fraud as well. We've talked about this for so many years on this programme. It's a massive issue. And he's right, by the way, Ben, to say that, you know, issuing the loan to begin with being fraud is not really relevant to, to what we talked about. I get that as well. But it's important too, right? The creation of money is important. Here's the George Baker selection on the Richie Allen Show. Back with more in three. Yeah, the George Baker selection and little green bag from Reservoir Dogs. Remember that? It was a good film, it was a good movie. Tim Roth, of course. Who else was in it? Who else? Harvey Keitel was in it. Steve Buscemi was in it, wasn't he? It doesn't matter, does it? Because there are more important things to talk about. It's uh, 13 minutes past six, Salford time. It is your BBG, Richie Allen, with you till seven o'clock. I've just gulped a big gulp of water. I'm delighted. To welcome back to the programme, uh, a lady who has not been on with us for some time. Brilliant value. She's an investigative journalist, an entrepreneur, uh, a functional medicine con- medicinal consultant, she really is, and directed one of the most important films of the last decade, Vanishing of the Bees, which if you haven't seen it, you must see it. She's got lots going on, including a forthcoming documentary about George Floyd. We'll talk about that and many other things with the terrifically talented and gorgeous Mariam Henain. How you doing, Mariam? You well? Richie, I'm so happy to be on the show. I'm happy you're here. Thank God for you. It's a funny thing, Thank serendipity. It's serendipity. It's funny. I was um, beavering away today and a guest of mine said... Uh, Richie, can I can you do me a favour? Can I come on tomorrow Thursday? I said, no problem, but that leaves me a guest light. Just as that happened, you winged in on Skype <laughs> and I thought, there's something in the air. How have you been? Life has been crazy for you because last time we spoke, I think you were in Costa Rica, right? Yes, yes, yes. I was in Costa Rica and I returned and I was at the deadly insurrection and then I had a surgery and I also almost 
died, uh, had a, a condition called Steven Johnson. And then I had fibroids removed, which kept me in horrible San Francisco. And now the day I became a second class citizen, I bought a one way ticket to Florida, which is where I am now about a month ago. And I've been going to, um, different events, medical freedom events. I just came back from, from Nashville where there was the truth about cancer hosted by Ty and Charlene Bollinger. And, uh, I'm back at my desk working and covering nonstop the, uh, vaccine mania and vitriol disorder that we are witnessing. We're, we'll talk vaccine mania and vitriol in a moment. And a very interesting mm-hmm. bit of film that you sent me about what the vaccine does to uh, to to a meat product. This is crazy stuff. We'll get into that. But it's I can't I can't let the insurrection go. Yes. Were, were, were you there back in January? Was that you causing all that trouble, all that all that <laughs> yes. madness? Can I just say this? You you know from speaking to me before, I'm apolitical. I have no time for any politicians. I didn't dislike Trump any more yes. than I disliked Hillary or Obama. They're all the same. But I can say this with pure honesty. If ever there was a false flag yeah. event, it was that yeah. so-called yeah. insurrection in January, that stand down, that stunk to high heaven. I'm going to shut the hell up. You were there. What happened? Yes, I took part in a LARP, in a live action role play. I, uh, you know, Trump said it's going to be wild. And, and indeed it was. And the FBI was complicit. And I um, was not inside the building but I was right outside and I look for patterns and I can tell you, I went there and I was looking for Zach. I was looking because I am courageous and I I wanted, wanted to go, I got tear gassed and I wanted to go in again. So I energetically scanned people and I was looking for someone that seemed solid. And I thought to myself, who are these people? They all are a little bit degenerate. I even saw someone dressed up as Waldo, like where's Antifa, where's Waldo? Right. And I ended up looking at a man, um, his name is Jason Funes, and it turned out, by the grace of God, I don't know what made me say, Are do you know Matt Couch? And he was there as his videographer, and he's worked for Trump, he's done detail security, and he said, do you want to go in? And I said, yeah. So I said, you, can you provide protection for me? And it turned out he had run out of memory and he needed someone to cover, which I was al- already filming. It, it turned out the next day I'm walking into a room and meeting Rudy Giuliani and sh- sharing my footage with him. And in the room was Tori and Millie Weaver. And I was like a fly on the wall. And I thought to myself, is this just going to end up being a documentary? which in a way it was. And then I did a six part series. One thing I'll tell you is that outside what I noticed was I noticed people wearing green. Millie noticed people wearing orange. So I could hear like being on a set in Hollywood. Okay. As a casting call, wear green, green backpack, green t-shirt, green. green. And uh, there is no doubt that then I started gathering with Jason, this man, Jason Funes, other quote unquote patriots, their footage as well. 
And so there's and then covering the uh, circus impeachment trial and saying, watch, they're going to they're going to show Jason Sullivan's uh, sorry, John Sullivan's footage, which they paid 70,000 for. So I knew that barbed wire is never, ever going to come off. And here we are. Can I can I ask you? To, yeah. to tell me if I've gotten this right, let me, because I, yes. you, you're obviously you're beautifully eloquent, but my mind is 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 flying off in different directions. So you went there, <laughs> you went there with other yeah. patriotic people who wanted to go there. Yes. Many of them wanted to go there peacefully, just to make a point to say, look, we we feel that there's something very wrong with the election. We're not happy yes. about it, and you inadvertently stumbled upon a staged event with teams of crisis actors there to make it look yes. like there was a horrible, hateful mob trying to subvert democracy, that you walked into the middle of a production unknowingly. Is that Yes, it? that is what, that is That's definitely, you know, in the end, in the end, Trump represented the Constitution and we the people. And I also had the fortune to be feet away from him because I also wanted to energetically scan the president and see, you know, what what I got when I energetically scanned him is he's not he's not a part of the evil cabal as far as other person personages personas. However, he's a reality actor and he's playing himself. So was he part of a Operation Orange Man to expose the dissidents? Uh, did he know? Did he not know? I, I'm not sure. I believe it's all political theater. And I do stand with the people who believe in the Constitution. Yes. But in the end, this was a LARP. And we saw a broken telephone every single day getting worse. And now it's the deadly insurrection. Yes, it's <laughs> with amazing. no deaths. Do you know, it's amazing. The BBC is is advertising every other moment its new podcast series, uh, Deadly Insurrection at the Capitol. I mean, this is the UK. <laughs> we couldn't give a damn, you know. Right. It's not relevant to us, but, but maybe it is. You're very magnanimous about Trump. You're very balanced, I think, about your opinion of Trump, which I really appreciate. Uh, to me... I don't know Donald Trump. I've never come on my radio show and said that Trump is, you know, he's um, he's fully aware of what's going on and he's playing his part. I've never said that. I'm open to the possibility that when he ran and that when he won, that he was um, naive, that he thought, yes, yes, brilliant, I can do all these things. And then somebody said, Donald, we've got a lovely movie for you to watch. It's called The Sapruder Film. Come and sit down and have a look at this. And then we'll tell you how things run. I'm open-minded. I believed he would never make any change. And I turned out to be right, but not for some of the reasons that some might think because I naturally hated him. I, didn't, I would prefer Trump to Hillary any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yes, if I had to, If I had to pick one. But ultimately, it must yes. be disappointing to see Trump, you know, telling people to take the vaccines. Right. And that he, he I think he lied when he said he the way he said it, I took the vaccine, take the vaccine. You're lying. I yeah. don't believe you. Um, you have natural immunity and you were talking about Regeneron. And I do think he was naive. But back in 2016, I wasn't yet an American citizen because I come from Canada, which 
God, that's even, it's become full on commieville. But I knew that there were people, I would have never voted for Hillary. And there were people who thought, oh, what the hell, let's go with this anti-establishment. And just symbolically, uh, spiritually, some people serve as a catalyst to bring things to the surface. And he sure brought a lot of things to the surface. It depends on how you look at things, right? What is your perspective? Are you someone who sees the cup half full or yeah. half empty? That's a very good answer. It really is. And uh, I really appreciate that. Yes, it's too, nothing is black and white, nothing. There are shades of grey everywhere. And, you know, people, oh, Trump is this, or uh, Hillary is this, yes. I mean, I, I think she's the embodiment of evil, Hillary Clinton. I really do believe yeah. that. The manifestation, human manifestation of pure evil. Uh, Miriam or Mariam Henain, you never correct me when I say Miriam or Mariam. What should I say? Remind me. Well, the Egyptian way is Mariam, but Mariam. the way Miriam is fine. And you said my last name very well. Thank you, Richie. Well, you educated me the first time. You said, Richie, <laughs> this is how I should say. Now, we're we've, we're going to talk till the top of the hour with your permission. I'm on okay, until yes. the top of the hour, till three o'clock your time. Uh, we'll do this again later on. Where should people find you online? <laughs> yes. Here we go. They can... Um, they can find me. I mean, I would love to get some love on my backup Twitter channel, Twitter handle, which is Lady 17 And uh, I'm also on Gab as Lady B. So, and I also have uh, Honey Colony and simplytransformative.com. So honeycolony.com is my health and wellness site. But so... Lady B or Lady Lady B on Gab or B Lady Seventeen on Twitter, where they took away thirty thousand and more importantly, all my research in chronological order. So I say just like they went and stole Dr. Judy Mikovitz's research. I mean, this is my research, and I've been ahead of, I've been prophetic in in lots of ways. And now it's all gone. And they're accusing me of targeted abuse. And it's all malarkey. It's all, bu it's all bullshit. You can say bullshit yes. if you want here. Okay. Listen, there <laughs> is no... bullshit. Exactly. There's no watershed here. This is the Richie Allen show. I'm an Irishman. I can swear like a trooper. So you can say uh, bullshit if you want. Yes, they have deleted your uh, accounts and gone after you and shadow banned you, of course, because you're an excellent uh, presenter. You, you, you made that fantastic documentary. And uh, capable and eloquent people like you, well, you just won't do... Marianne, you won't do. You've got to be banned. Listen, you made a good decision, I think, to go to Florida. Governor DeSantis seems to have all his eggs in the right basket and he's not forcing people to wear masks and he said, hasn't he, that no company will be allowed to insist on their staff being jabbed. So is there reason to be optimistic while Mr DeSantis is still in, in office there? Right. It's, and I've wondered whether they would assassinate him, but it's like night and day, the frequency in San Francisco, I, I'm an empath, I'm very sensitive, intuitive, and whether it's the frequency of uh, all these, they love their their, their face diapers. I, I was literally the day I became a second class citizen, I knew something was coming and I was telling Zach, I have to leave, but because of my health issues, I remain there 
and it was only bearable because of Zach. But then they took away my ability to do Pilates, to go do yoga, to eat at a restaurant. And I record a lot of calls. I called the yoga place and I said, I, I had Steven Johnson. I literally am not able to get a vaccine or I, I will likely die. Oh, I'm sorry. We're just doing our job. Yeah. And I said, well, I hope you know you're doing your job to usher in communism. Now I'm a fucking stay. And I hung up. These false, these people who nobody has the courage. I understand you're just doing your job. But people like me, we have to do our job. And that's using my throat chakra. Yeah. And that's speaking my mind. Things have been very prickly in these past 18 months plus. And we need to value people like me who have the balls to speak. And I refuse to be silenced. I realize now maybe I'm a little bit smart too smart for my own good. And it's true. People are, um, even people that are supposed to be on the same team might be, um, intimidated. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's very important. I'm a honeybee foraging every day for pollen and which means information, information but yeah. I need a hive. I need a hive. And in Florida, I don't have to wear a, a face diaper and, uh, uh, there, there's a way healthier vibe. I don't know how it is where you are now. It's not since great. The last time I spoke to you, it, it, it's not great. It, it's almost like a stay of execution here. The government said a couple of months ago that we could drop the the mask mandate, so we didn't have to wear the masks going into supermarkets and things like that. But it is pushing the jobs really hard, and at the moment. From next week, if you are a social care worker, meaning that you work in care homes with the elderly or you visit the elderly in their home, if you are not jabbed by next week, you'll be fired. That's here in the UK. And they are considering mandating the jabs for anybody who works in the National Health Service. So it's like at the moment, it's like the calm before the storm, Marianne, but it's going to get really bad here in the next few weeks, no doubt. Lockdowns will come back here, as they have done in Australia and New Zealand. We'll do it here, yeah. So it's not great. I, I, it's so sad, Richie, because there is a silent but blatant culling. I have interviewed over 100 people. I do these informal polls. I'm always asking questions. I'm not one for idle chit-chat. And the number of people that have been maimed, that know people who've died compared to ever had the coronavirus is bar none. It's, it's indisputable. It's indisputable. And it's so, so sad that so many are needlessly dying. Why? Because of the protocols, because the hospitals are denying things like vitamin IV, ivermectin. They do not look, they do not honor the patient's wishes and uh, this sick care, this Rockefeller medicine, which I've been taking a deep dive since making Vanishing of the Bees, that's been my, what I've been sharing, the poisons, the poisons, the poisons. And now I've been commissioned to do a detox guide. And these protocols are things that people should be doing or should have been doing all along, despite the spike protein, despite the shedding, despite the fake lipids and this, I really also believe from the get-go, which I've 
people like Dr. Judy and guests on the Stu Peters show that there is saline being given. It's called the advocate method. So if you are one person who gets the saline, then you become an advocate for big pharma and you gaslight your brothers and sisters. So ostensibly, we are in a divide and conquer where you're attacking your brother and sister and what? Defending the government and big pharma? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Because people can't realize that there's saline being given because they have to stagger their deaths. That would be, it's genius. It's it's wicked genius, as we know. So you really suspect this now. And I I... I'm not saying that I don't agree with you or I don't believe you. I'm not saying yes. that at all. But that is your best guess as to what they are doing. Is it maybe every second, maybe every third, maybe only 30% of uh, of people are given some uh, saline solution? You, let, me, let me give you, first of all, I get things intuitively. So if something is intuitive, as an investigative journalist, you, you weed out possibilities, yeah, yeah. right? That's before I came across headlines from around the world with saline. In June 2020, there was a symposium where they debated the pros and cons of bypassing animals in the face of a quote-unquote emergency. That would make us the lab rats. Like, yeah, for instance, yeah. just to segue, the pediatric study that there is for six months to 11, that will not be completed till 2024, by the way, folks. So then I, I have this theory. I see these headlines. I'm doing a show with Dr. Judy Mikovits. I ask her, what do you think, Judy? Yes, they're sailing. What do you think the percentage is? She says 50%. Wow. Then, is that what she thinks? Wow. So, so she thinks mm. it's 50%. Dr. Kerry Madej thinks, uh, or Madej th thinks that it's it's thirty percent. And then I come across this uh, coroner out of Australia who talks about what I named the advocate method. He thinks it's seventy percent. Of course, we don't know. And if you think, well, when are they going to get their juice, their jab juice of poison? It's okay. We'll get you on booster number hundred because this is never going to end. It's a long game. And Long game, long game, silent culling. And when you understand, and I'm not a scientist, but in creating my detox guide, I am explaining the mechanisms of how this works. And so when you understand through, I saw Del Bigtree a few weeks ago, and, and he talks about these toll receptors, basically turning off the body's innate immune system so that it doesn't identify an invader. And then when you learn that the only way that they could get this sequence, this mRNA sequence into the body is with this synthetic lipid, anything that is synthetic, that is not natural, in my opinion, and in many's opinion, is not good for the body. Shouldn't so all this body. to say, I do think that there's a very high chance that they're giving saline. And uh, I know people who've been vaccinated who appear to be well. And then they'll say, well, I'm in tech. I'm a viable person. Why would they get rid of me? And then Dr. Carrie Madej also says she discovered that people are getting a viability score. How viable, how much do we need you in society? They're scoring the worth of every human being. I, I, I do believe that. 
to be happening. I think that's been going on for a long time. Yeah. Private corporations for many, many, many years have been taking out life insurance policies on private citizens without informing the private <laughs> citizens. They've called it dead peasants insurance, as far as I wow. remember. That's been going on forever. Now, sometimes it's an employee of the corporation, but um, I've been told in the past that corporations will do it on people that they have no connection to whatsoever. That is astonishing, if you can get away with yes. that. You imagine if I took out a life insurance policy on you. How is that possible? Right, I, I like you. I, I enjoy speaking with you. But but other than that, we, you don't work for me. I don't work for you. I have no connection. It's outrageous right. that I would be allowed to do that. But it goes on. Yeah. It's, yes. I mean, there's no lack of outrageousness No, there isn't, today, is there? Right? Tell us about what you're saying makes sense. It's also scary because if a certain percentage of the population is getting saline and not the jab, well, that puts the uh, VAERS reporting data in even bigger scrutiny. My God, because according to the VAERS data, at least 15,000 Americans have been killed by the jabs, at least. So oh, yeah. imagine if 30% of them were saline. Well, that's just astonishing then in terms of what the actual job might be doing to people. You know, and now consider, Richie, I did a little spoof on uh, Gab Gab TV, uh, Mix and Match. Now you're telling us we're going to mix and match. Yeah. So I took <laughs> I took segments of, I mixed and matched the prostitutes and the parrots to show how, how retarded this is. Now you're, oh, just take a and j mix it with your Pfizer, mix yeah. it with your Moderna. <laughs> how does this make any sense? And, and they attacked on the mainstream media a few weeks ago, the aspirin. Now, I'm no fan of Bayer, given my movie and what they've done historically, but the aspirin has been an anticoagulating agent for a really long time. And yeah. doctors like Dr. Brian Artis will say, if, you've, if you're considering because of the clotting mechanism, take an aspirin. Well, Lester Holt and friends straight up said no longer take the aspirin. Can you believe it? I know that's a, that it's it's vaudevillian. This is vaudeville. Yes. It really is. Yes. When when people can tell you we know it's Wednesday and people can come on television and go, It's Friday, yeah. you idiot. Yeah. It's Friday. Well right. it isn't, it's Wednesday. I know it's Wednesday, November third. Now I wanna look how quickly time goes when we speak. We've yes. got about twenty minutes left. Tell okay. me what this video this image is of what happens to meat when it is injected with this is blood this blood is not blood meat. sorry blood blood sorry I'm an <laughs> idiot thanks for correcting me um and, and and graphene oxide of course I'm living right in the middle of where I'm live I'm living in graphene central by the way because all of the research it all goes on in Manchester really? in the UK so. for the whole world yeah basically this is where it all happens. Manchester huh? University, unprecedented security for the last five years, uh, developing graphene. It's all happening here. This is where it was born. So you tell me, what, 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 this, this video you shared with me, what is the vaccine doing to the blood? You better give people a link to where they can find yes. it, first of all, and watch well, it for may themselves. You, may you offer the link that I, that I shared with you? 
I can do that. Yeah, I can put it on our website. I can put it on the comment live segment if I can log into my website. But um, go on, tell us about it. What happened? Let me let me take a step back. Um, I I in in February of last year, I told Zach when I looked at Wuhan, I said in 2017 there was a study out of Italy looking at adjuvants, and they found nanotech contaminants. This is. 2017, it's thought that this was these nanotech. Now, I did not know about the graphene oxide then. So I was watching Stu, who I've been on his show, and I, I watch on a regular basis, and he had someone on that was talking about what I said back in February, late February, which basically Wuhan is a test city. These people were injected with something, and the word that came to me, which is not a word I use often, is parlaying with, you want to call it 5G, EMFs, the Internet of Things. Something is dialoguing. So I see the show. It's beginning of October. I go back, and I, I said it on March third of last year. So I go to retweet it and I say, you shamed me for this. You'll see graphene oxide is the secret sauce. Where are you, Charles Lieber? 10 minutes later, all my data, everything gone. So that says something. It certainly does. It's, there's no proof now that I was in the future, that I am a visionary and that I called this out. Now, I was at the Bulletproof Conference, which is headed by Dave Asprey, and I consider myself a biohacker, which is about optimizing your biology, not trying to eradicate the immune system. Someone took me aside and said, I know who you are. I want to explain this to you. And this video is understanding the underlying mechanisms of injury of the synthetic virus virus, AKA the jab. And he works with people and he's showing me, it's a very thorough presentation where we see what the blood looks like of these vaccinated people, uh, people where there are tubular artifacts and what looks like graphene oxide. Now, graphene oxide is ironically, given I'm the bee lady, creates a hexagonal lattice. It is 150 times more uh, stronger than steel and a thousand times more conducive than copper. Because when they canceled me, I said, oh yeah, mofos, I'm gonna become an expert on graphene oxide yeah. now. I'm gonna take a deep dive and in the past five years, from 2015 to 2020, the market for graphene oxide went up about 67%. And now that you've told me that Manchester is ground zero for the GO, I will take a look at it. So this video, which has gotten, for me, many views, given I'm so censored, I think it's over 10,000 views in a couple of days, is a very comprehensive delivery. This man who wished to remain anonymous, we, we put this presentation together and with slides and uh, cutaways to studies so that people can really understand what is going on and how to possibly remove it from the body. This is mind-blowing stuff, this, isn't it, really? 
It's 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 mind blowing stuff. This I've just sent a link on richieallen.co.uk, where, where, where comment live on the menu bar. It's there now. The link to the to, to the Rumble uh, page that uh, Mariam sent to me today. It's um it's 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 right there. Have a look at yourself. Uh, make your own mind up. Cross reference the claims. Yes. Um, but but yeah. Uh, needless to say, Mariam, I've not had a jab, and I've absolutely no intention of having a jab, right? <laughs> and and I and I'm pretty sure most people listening to this won't have had a jab. Here is here's the here's the serious question. Yes. At what point do you think they will no longer tolerate those of yes. us who have refused the jab? At the moment, it's. It's kind of like uh, de Blasio in New York will stop you participating in society. That's all very well. I can live without going to the cinema. I can live without going to the baseball game or the soccer game, whatever. At what point do you think, if this is really a cull agenda, which I yes. now believe it is, what point do you think they'll come and say, you've got to get in the van and come with us? When will that how happen? long? How long do we have? Yeah, before I, I don't that, know, a, a, another another year. I mean, if I believe that nothing is written in stone, can we turn this around? And I want to say it's not only a culling for their depopulation agenda. I believe it, it's also it's also this wedding of robot with yeah. humanity, and that is also what what they're doing um, for this for this new world order where man and bot will be connected and and maybe arguably you can turn off or turn on your blender with your mind yeah um so i think both things are going on and certainly with predictive programming i was looking at graphene oxide and i came across a japanese anime called Wexville, which I also posted from 2007, where they talk about this synthetic life that's being pumped into the body. So so I I don't know, Richie, I I don't know if it's a year and and are they gathering up all the dissidents deplorables in, in Florida, in Texas? where then they know where they're concentrated because people places like sf san francisco there's no resistance i don't know maybe 500 people no one's resistant it's all black lives matter it's all give me the face diaper no no resistance so i mean what do you what do you think i i i i don't have your insight uh or or your ability to be intuitive and to to feel for it. I'm not describing that very well, but but you've got that going on. Um, some very good friends of mine have got it too. I think yeah. in about two years, I think. I think they'll yeah. give us a couple of years, maybe 2024, and maybe at that stage, we, we, we will have the kind of, the beginnings of a kind of, a, kind of hobbled together social credit system. We might yes. have we might have the centralized digital currency by then. We might be in pretty much cashless by then. We are now uh, nearly yeah. cashless, and at that stage, I might they might they might try to squeeze people financially, 
If you don't have the job, you don't get paid. Not if you don't have the job, you don't get... If you don't have the job, you don't get a job. It might be a case of, we will stop your social security checks. We will stop your living allowance, your, 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 your children's allowance, whatever. And after that, those of us that still say, well, I don't care, yeah. I, I'll sleep on the streets before I'll take your job. I think at that stage, they will come and they will say, listen... Yeah. You've got to come with us now. The game is and you over. Go to the gulag. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have this thing because you're you're putting everybody else at risk. And we've tried. We've offered you the carrots. We've offered you the free cinema tickets. We've offered you the plane tickets, <laughs> but you won't take it, you stubborn Irish bastard. And you won't take it, you stubborn Canadian mayor. So it's at that stage they'll say, right, we're going to take you to the centre and hold you down and give it to you. I hate to say that because I sound like certain crazy radio presenters who scream hellfire and brimstone. I, I hate to say that, but I think it's a possibility. I don't think you're crazy. I mean, look at look at why are all these quarantine centers? Yeah. Um, oh, I'll tell you one thing. I got a SMS. I got a text from the government, and it was take the take the COVID save America against COVID survey. So I I spy. And I take it. Of course, I abort at the last minute. And this was the takeaway because I minored in psychology and I'm trying to figure out psychologically what are they asking. They ask people, have you been hurting for food? How much have you been hurting for food? Then they ask, have you had a mental health check as of late? And then la pièce de résistance. Are you vaccinated? So I say no. And then list all the ways. I also did a video on this where I show the screen grabs of, from the government. List all the reasons why you haven't been jabbed. None of which are, hey, mofo, I got COVID, which is not my case, but I got COVID and I have antibodies. That's not on the list. And then give us your address. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. So that, so that, oh, that person, oh, you want to, you hungry, huh? Well, you want to get some food? You got to get that jab. Oh, you're, let's do a mental, well, a check. You're not psychologically stable. We're going to take you away and take you to the gulag. Are you kidding me? Who answers this? This, this is a government survey that you get texted to you. Yeah. What does that so does that make you what you just said sound crazy? Hell no. This is in steps. This first year was just about exercising all the formalities, putting all the track and trace, practicing. Then the delta is the vaccine. And now we have all the sick people. And then they say it's the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, because it's very common. Your spouse gets the jab, comes home, is shedding, you get sick, and then you go to the hospital, and then it's the pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's amazing. So, it's amazing yeah. you're saying that. The pandemic of the unvaccinated, because the German health minister, a guy called Spahn, some, yeah, S-P-A-H-N, I think is his surname. This guy Spahn has said today that um, they need to do more to vaccinate German people, because at the moment there is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. What you're saying is right. All of this is happening in lockstep. They are using right. the same phrases, the same turn of phrase, the same language. And um, they, what he wants to do is he wants to, they've already got a kind of a COVID pass in Germany. 
but they want to make it more strict and they want to use it or they want to introduce it as um, a prerequisite to get into even more venues because of the unvaccinated. He said that basically our hospitals are filling up with unvaccinated people. Uh, How dare those unvaccinated people put our health service at risk? And we're hearing this in the UK. Be a good citizen. Take the vaccine so that you don't become a burden on the National Health Service. It's all the same language, every country, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. And uh, Jan Pisecki, circle back Jen with her ums, yeah. talks about the pandemic of the unvaccinated, who now is a quote-unquote breakthrough case because she has COVID. So if you're still getting COVID, oh, but then they get you because people are scared of more, their mortality. They're scared of death. So they get you, well, you won't die. At least you won't die. It really depends on your immune system. Are you doing anything to prime your immune system? I'm not one to say, I'm not saying this is fake, even though it's not been isolated. There's something going on. We also know that they've created their aerosolized nanoparticles. So who who the hell knows what's going on? Uh, I've gone to my share of super spreader events knock on wood, and I'm okay. And if I'm meant to die, I'm meant to die. Someone had said, oh, we should jack up the prices for the un- 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 uh, the unvaccinated 20,000. Listen, <laughs> anyone at this point who's not jabbed yeah. knows the last place they want to go is the hospitals. Yeah, to be murdered by being intubated. Right. That would exactly. be lovely, wouldn't it? Don't do that to me, whatever you do. I've I've said right. to my I've said to my beautiful better half, I've said if anything ever happens to me, because I do get some bad respiratory infections. I've never taken a vaccine. Um I do you know, I do the, the right things, the things that you would have been advocating for years. I do those things so that when I do get a respiratory infection, I generally tend to get over it. But um yeah, I've said to her, if I ever get a really bad one, I'm A, I'm not to be admitted to hospital. And no. if I'm dragged to hospital, blow it up if you can. And find somebody to sell you dynamite. Uh, or or at least blow up the intubators. Because uh, how many people, I mean, we don't know an exact number, but it, the, 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 those, those um, machines, they must have yeah. killed a lot of people last year, last Eight March. Eight out of ten April. people, including my uncle, and uh, it's called the it's called the remdesivir intub- intubation to one punch where 50 percent of people who are put on remdesivir have kidney failure. Their body starts basically drowning in itself and then they force you in a coma and give you this miasma of sedit- swirling sedatives, which includes fentanyl. And yeah. then, of course, nobody's allowed to go see you. So when I when I got uh, surgery for a fibroid and I wasn't able to have Zach next to me and they were going through the forms, you know, the consent form and they told me, do you want to have some pain pills? And I'm like, you're going to give me pain pills before the pain? No, thank you. And then I took a patch of scopalapine, which is the belladonna. Anyway, I was a little bit woozy. And then they said, when it comes to blood, are you, you agree for a blood transfusion? And I was like, Tourette syndrome person. I said, I don't want vaccinated blood. And then I was like, shit, I just blew my cover. Yeah. And the, the, the nurse just looked at me and said, so you want to die? And I said, no, I want to live. So don't give me the vac. I don't want vaccinated blood. But 
the whole atmosphere is not one of health. It's not the hospitals. No, my friend, the, the journalist Jackie Devoy, who's had her articles printed in every commercial, excuse me, every national newspaper in this country. Jackie has been all over uh, something that we, we call the Medazolam scandal here in the UK, where seniors were put on end-of-life care when, when, they, when they should have been expected to make a full recovery, you know, that they should, should leave hospital. And they were given drugs like Medazolam to help ease them out, basically. Massive scandal. Jackie's been all, all over that. that. That ties in with what you said about remdesivir and the ventilators. We've got 90 seconds left today. Do, do two things for me. Promise me you'll come back before Christmas to talk yes. about your George Floyd documentary. Please I do that when, when it's released, because I love having you on. It's been too long. And secondly, remind the listeners again, before we say goodbye today, where to find you online. The great Mariam Henain. Final word to you. Thank you, Richie. Please, uh, please show me some love on Twitter. I know it's an abusive relationship, but <laughs> I am, I am B Lady Seventeen, like Honeybee. B Lady Seventeen, or Lady B on Gab. I also have my second YouTube channel, which is B Lady Two. And uh, I have, I'm doing lots of, I'm calling Pfizer, I'm calling Southwest, I'm calling Red Cross, and I'm putting the calls out. And so I'm, I'm diligent and relentless worker bee. Thank you, Richie, for having me. Brilliant to have you on. Give our regards to Zach and ask him to come back on with me when he's got a minute. It's Thank been you. too long as well. Thank uh, you. It's a new book too. But get him to give me a shout over the Skype, will you? Tell him okay. to do that later on. Yes. Mariam, I'll be in touch with you right soon and we'll do this again before Christmas. Godspeed to you. Thanks for your time today. Love having Thank you on. Thank you, Richie. Thank you, Richie. God bless. And you too. The lovely Mariam Hinane, live from Florida this afternoon. Great to have her back on the programme. Uh, do follow her, visit her on Twitter uh, or on Gab or on, she might be on Telegram as well. That's about it for the programme. Thanks to Ben Gilroy for his testimony in the first hour. Again to Mariam. We'll speak again tomorrow afternoon, you and me, at the usual time of five o'clock UK time. Who have I got on tomorrow? I know what you expect me to say. I, I don't know. I do. I do. You've been asking me to speak to an employment lawyer called Anna de Buiseret. I pray to God and to his son, Jesus, that I've pronounced that correctly. Anna de Buiseret. Yes, sounds lovely. She'll be on with me tomorrow for a lengthy conversation, particularly about employment rights around mandates and stuff like that. Anna will be with me. I don't know who else will be with me. But sure, look, you'll trust me, won't you? Is that it'll be entertaining and informative. It will be. Join me tomorrow. I'm closing out the programme today with the great Morrissey. Or at least when he was great. Look after yourselves and one another. Bye now. Bye.